Gentlemen, start your engine. Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, radio hotner. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Sorry, my little uh, um, um, technical goodies. Radio hotner. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. G'day viewers, welcome to episode 32, Radio Hot Lap. Sorry we've been away for a few weeks, but uh, you know, that's the way it is. Everyone's got to have a little bit of a holiday. Johnny's been in the UK, Radio Hot Lap, where we take a light-hearted look at the world of motorsport, evolving and emerging gadgets and technologies. We've got a bit of a technology guy here today, or actually someone who knows how to write contracts to keep technology people in uh, in line. Business. And barbecues. And yes, we have our resident in-house barbecue specialist, James, on the barbecue tonight. Yeah, exactly. And um, hopefully he won't be baking the schnitzel that he was last week. <laughs> Pat Weir, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. Thank you. Uh, very hard for me to say, but viewers... <laughs> it's not that hard. Well, I, I know. It. Yeah. I do get a chuckle each time I listen to one of the podcasts or the Radio Hot Lap podcast regarding the viewers. But uh, yeah, hello viewers. Uh, nice to talk to you. <laughs> Hopefully, there's a lot of them out there. And JP, welcome back from your jaunt to uh, England. Thank you, Johnny. It's uh, great to be here. Brought your 85 year old mum back. Seventy-five years old, but you were close. <laughs> she aged on the way. That's right. <laughs> She'll just kill you the next time she sees you, but don't worry about that. <laughs> a month with you at age, anyone? Well, this is true. But then it works both ways. I think I'm fifty-five now. Well, I suppose we've all actually had a little bit of the summer, a bit of sun, because uh, Pat and I've just returned from our, our soiree in Darwin at uh, Hidden Valley at the fourth round of the V8 Ute Championship and um, the fifth round of the Supercars. Yeah, good for you. And yeah, it I was warm. Fit in on the way back. It was delightful. Pat's uh, driven down a couple of days. For, when did you leave, mate? Yesterday morning, and uh, arrived here about uh, five pm. So. Oh, right. That's, pretty good run. that's, a, that's yeah. a pretty long drive, isn't it? it? Is. Uh, in the uh, Ford XR6 Turbo. I saw it parked out there. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, in the Territory, where uh, there's no speed limits, what were you sort of cruising at, Pat? He was in the XR6. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I took it very gentle. Yeah. Yeah, didn't see the needle go over 240 once. Okay, well, that's good. In the territory. Sorry, you, yeah. In the territory. <laughs> in the territory. Yeah, yeah, well, let, yeah. Me, let me qualify that, that it was yeah. in the territory. Uh, yeah. Yeah, be very careful other places. Have you ever thought about buying a Territory now that it's got the XR6 engine in it? I have, yes. I've driven one So with the turbo. Yeah. The turbo Territory and, and the how Territory. how does it compare? Uh, not quite the same, <laughs> but enough. still surprisingly quick for a ter- uh, Territory, yeah. as I've driven the standard Territory as well, so I think they're going to be a winner. Okay. It'd look excellent to a couple of uh, Boss Hogs horns on the bonnet, wouldn't it? <laughs> just, just blocking that turbo air intake a little bit. And those big mud flaps at the back with the uh, right. silhouette of the naked woman. That's right, and yeah, a Kenworth sticker yeah, on yeah, the yeah, side. Yeah, yeah, we got sure. it good. I'm glad we got it all together. I mean, unless you had the utes and mm. you could have, you know, I've been to the Canago pub. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and where the hell's Canago? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Wells Canago. Yeah. Mate, just tell us a little bit about your trip to England anyway. Oh, well, it was... Uh, you were over there when Le Mans was on. I was over there when Le Mans was on. Um, I'll probably touch on that in a minute. But first of all, I have to say that um, the pommy weather excelled itself. I uh, spent virtually the whole two weeks in shorts and T-shirts. I think I only put a pair of jeans on on one day, or two days maybe. Um, of course, the last weekend I was there, Wimbledon started, and uh, it poured. So you can always guarantee that if the Poms have been having some dry weather and they're all on water restrictions over there, just the same as we are here. And uh, start Wimbledon, downpour guaranteed. So that was good. But no, the Le Mans weekend was was very, uh, very good. The coverage, I mean, at least they get some coverage over there. It was fairly late night, uh, no what you'd call mainstream TV coverage. But um, on the... Uh, their Motors TV, was that where you were getting the feeds from? Because I was seeing Yeah, there was the, some uh, coming on to Sky um, via there, and then Sky had their own 
uh, sports channel, motorsport coverage, blah, blah, at about 11.45 one evening or whatever, which was just basically like highlights and a wrapper. Yep. But uh, no, it was, it was good. And of course, Le Mans, well, we're on the subject, of course. Audi just scooped the pool, couldn't believe it. 200 days from when they introduced the uh, diesel car, the R10. Uh, to win to win it one Le Mans, it's just an incredible effort. It is an incredible effort to, to be able to do that, and uh, it wasn't without you know a few problems there. That no. uh, Christensen did run into some uh, turbocharger problems earlier in the event and had to have them changed, and it was pretty difficult for him to sort of get back up on top there. I think eleven laps down. Yep. But uh, how many has he run it in a row? Six, I think. Mm. Or, uh, so it's you know time for a little bit of a rest and oh, well, cause it had to go to the other the other Audi. But I think Frank Beal yep. has probably been in the in the combination there. It's the same, same, same guys every time, and as a result mm. of that, I think Peugeot is now going to bring out a very consolidated factory yes. effort to, yep. to run diesel they're, cars. They're going to supposedly have a, uh, a British driver, um, and the effort's going to uh, run from Britain. The Peugeot effort. Have they had that ratified by the French government, though? Uh, probably not, and you know the frogs will probably all kick up, but you know we won't worry about that. But have, in- have another little fracas between the two again, as it's gone on for the last. 480 years yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't happen often <laughs> but uh, the Poms were all upset that you know McNish had got pole and you know, he was their man and because it didn't happen for them but, uh, but the other car got it so uh, good for them the attrition rate was pretty small um, sorry large <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just get it right <laughs> there was I mean an enormous amount of cars that had problems very very early on mm. and uh, you know the dome car of Jean Lammers went out and um, and then then and the bloody, bloody phones, phones, phones were there. <laughs> and who is it who is it who's there it's me John it's <laughs> <laughs> Linda Long hey you back how are you I'm good thanks Linda how are you love um, I'm alive. Oh, well, that's good to hear. Yeah, I tell you, I thought I was going to die the other day, but no, I didn't. It wasn't oh. my time. Well, that just wasn't depression, was it, about, you know, not getting that tarmac, that last round of the tarmac in? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> no, 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 I was actually genuinely ill. Oh, that's not good. You're, you're missing us, aren't you? And I know at this very moment you're in a cab from Adelaide Airport. You're going to be here banging on the door in a couple of minutes. I wish. Yeah, and and but the, and James is here, and he'll be ready to wait, wait, welcome you in the morning. Um, oh, I missed my flight, Dan. No. With us tonight. Uh, um, we also have another guest, Pat Weir, who's um, a friend of Mark Bryant's and myself. In fact, you know Pat because he's yeah. come to Mount Buller. Oh, Can you speak up? Probably. Probably yeah. yeah. I oh, there you go. That's better. That's right. She's squeaking. Hmm. <laughs> What's going on, Linda? What's happening in Tarmac Land? Oh, Tarmac Land. How's the car? Hey, um, car's good. My car's untouched, so it's fabulous. <laughs> I'm thrilled about my car. They never use my car, thank God. They left it alone. What, yes. what is the matter with your phone? Have you got a dud phone? No, why is it? But you're going all quiet and and down and, and up yeah. and down. What do you mean? Sorry, I don't know. Yeah, see, it's gone all quiet again now. Maybe it's just really bad reception here or something. I don't know. Maybe it could be. Well, the viewers aren't going to like this. No. We're going to have to cut you short. Cut me short or ring me back on the landline. Okay, ring us back. We, yeah, ring us back on the landline. Okay, okay. you ring me. Oh, no, we can't afford that. I we, can't, well, I can't ring <laughs> yeah. out on the, um, my landline. We, we, don't have a, we don't have an open-ended budget. Have you got the termites out of your phone connection yet? Listen, let's not argue about this. You boys ring me, I'll talk to you soon. I don't even okay. know your number. What, write down your number. I'm no, well, we can't because it's on the air. Oh, no, we can't. <laughs> Damn, we could have nearly got that. <laughs> you might think I'm so stupid. Oh, I just, uh, it's sorry, just, I'm on the ball, Linda. It's just that we're just so pleased to be back on the show again. Yeah, well, yeah, I've had a, right. had a few comments, but anyway, call me back. Bye. Okay, hold bye. on, Pat's going to get your number. All right, Pat, you've got the number sorted out there? Yes. Okay, the okay. number is, everybody... O two nine. <laughs> anyway, we'll ring her back. Yes, we'll ring her back later on. That's right. We'll she get can wait ourselves sorted out here and um, and go through some of the things which no. we were actually talking about. What were we talking about? This terrible fate. We were talking bit. about Le Mans and what Audi did and how bad oh, some future. of the teams were in terms of early failure rates. 
It, um, I, I will have to say that uh, our friend Paul Ryan was doing an absolutely sterling job with the podcasting. He just really had that down, down pat. I mean, we, we, we've been doing a little bit longer, but Paul really does know radio, and he, he's polished, isn't he? With oh, the, it's with the stuff. It's very a, polished. A bit, a bit too polished sometimes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But he's managed to get he's managed to get all the right people on from Motors TV quick. and yep. uh, Radio Le Mans no, and he's done lots of good Daily stuff. Sports Car, and so it's uh, all really good stuff. And I was very pleased for him, but it was. Um, but he didn't have a good Le Mans. No, he didn't have a very good Le Mans. In fact, he didn't have a very good test day, and he didn't have a very good practice earlier in the week, and it seemed like uh, Tom Milner, Gunner, Jeanette, and Scotty Maxwell spent more times with a, um, a spade and a vacuum cleaner pulling <laughs> stuff out of the uh, <laughs> air intakes and the brake dusks than they ducts than they did than anywhere, anywhere else. And, you know, poor old uh, Tom Milner, Milner Jr. Had, you know, had been there. That was his first first time there, and you know, he's he's gone down the gone down the chute. You know, at Mulsanne, come to the first chicane, and you know, the thing's gone straight ahead from whatever, whatever reason. So yeah, a bit of a baptism of fire, but um, it would be for anybody there going there for yeah, the first absolutely. time. You know, you've got no frame of reference or anything. But yeah, that was uh, that was pretty tough for for Paulie to have to endure the pain of. <laughs> of <laughs> well, I I picked up a motor racing news in Pommyland, motorsport news. I beg your pardon, motorsport news, motorsport news, mate. Sport yeah, news. yeah. And uh, on that particular week after Le Mans, on uh, page six, there's Panos crew make dreams come true. Uh, of course, this is the privateer uh, Panos winning the GT2 class, and uh, Paulie was peed off to say the least and I think that these guys actually getting the you know, getting the, the tr- trophy for GT2 must have really been rubbing salt in the wound because there's nothing more embarrassing than running out of fuel. Yeah look that's pretty tough to have done that and of course obviously I wouldn't plan that but if you've got if enough the computer says there's six litres of fuel in, in the tank then you know, you, you sort of trust the computer. However, my feel, my gut feeling is that, like with an event of this time you duration, that you never, you, well, you never go down that low. And, and you know, mm. if you have a broken light bulb, at some time during the you know, headlight during the race, you're going to be in for the same amount of time. And mm. I mean, not my own criticism, no thing of blamed. Everyone's I've done a lot of soul searching on that, but that that that's pretty embarrassing. Um, and I said to Paul, well, like, you know, you're um, at least the at least the uh, the LNT panels LNT team mm. won. And he goes, well, that only made it worse because they're the privateer team and they're the factory team. And That's it did right. happen to be the tenth year of panels. And there was Don Panos with many of the drivers, including you know Brabham and Scotty Maxwell and Max Pappas and Ollie Beretta were there as well um, with the big cake, which actually ended up in Paul's face. Yeah, now, I heard about that. He was cheating on his diet. <laughs> and if you had a look at his website, he's um, I, I think he dieted a little bit too much, Paulie. I think he needed to eat a bit more of that cake rather than just wipe it off his face. <laughs> Swimming <laughs> through the cake. That's right. Anyway, we won't go on again about the fact that you ran out of fuel. Um, and Other than to say we uh, wish you hadn't and we wish we'd heard some more of the, the great podcasts. Um, yeah, absolutely. So don't do it again. But then again, Audi UK did that a couple of years ago, back in 2003 with uh, Frank at the wheel, yes. at, at the wheel, and ironically, blamed it on the panels LMP nine hundred that the JML team was running at the year that year, and he had come up with a reason that he felt well that he said uh, coming out of the little the chicanes, I don't know what you call them after the Porsche curves before you come into pit lane, he said that the the, the panels accelerated too fast for him, um, he had too much torque and came out of the corner quicker than he expected, which forced him out wide so he couldn't get across well he could have braked and got across well, but of course being, he's a race driver being a race car driver he thought I'll brake. be able to get there and suddenly he found himself like locked out and ended up round the back uh, at um, Anage uh, trying to get the thing up down the road on the starter motor well uh, that didn't go very very well and he ended up in the yard with some farmer's daughter so <laughs> so it all turned out okay in the long run. it all turned oh, yeah. out she was happy but he was really cheese <laughs> <laughs> and no one listens to this. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, all right. Now, right. 
I've got a little something I need to read because uh, um, we've inadvertently said some things maybe that we shouldn't have said and uh, it's only fair that I read you this statement which has been prepared earlier. In a recent podcast on Radio Hot Lap, I made some statements to the effect that Bill West, Craig Diener and the V8 Ute Racing Australia were not paying me properly and I made negative statements that questioned their competency and added other comments to the effect that if they did not pay me properly, I had plenty of other things to do. I now unreservedly apologise to Bill Weston, Craig Denny and the Australian V8 Ute Racing Proprietary Limited for having made such statements and acknowledge that all entitlements due to me were in the process of being paid at the time of my comments and have in fact been paid fully for my services and such my comments were without foundation. Having said that, let's move on and talk about how wonderful the Utes were on the weekend up there at Hidden Valley and mate, uh, you'll see on the TV... It was a hell of a lot more interesting than the V8 supercars. Well, I think most mm. things would have been a lot more interesting than the V8 supercars, actually. I mean, I watched and it was boring as... It, it was processional. It was far too processional. Not enough. I mean, yeah, the, the reverse grid race was probably about the only exciting bit, bit out of the lot, and that was really upset by the fact that um, uh, Scafie had his brake problems and so he couldn't do what he needed to do. Mm. Um, but apart from that, yeah, it was it was a fairly average weekend. So what happened in the Utes? Well, race two was an absolute crack. I won't spoil it for people on who um, haven't yet seen it. But let me tell you, that was that was a good race. Probably not quite as good as the racing as last year, but still definitely more entertaining. Remember, we're missing a couple of categories up there. We didn't have the Lotus cars up there, and mm. the Lotus they, they were quite entertaining. But no, it'll be, be be good TV. But you know, not blaming the, the the supercars that they just don't put on a good show. It wasn't. It was processional up there last year. Yep. But the track's too narrow. What do you reckon, Pat? Where we were staying, standing up at the gravel trap there. Yeah, it's there's really there's really only two points to pass on that track in my mind. Is at the end of the main straight. And it just depends, I guess, who's got the biggest ghoulies is who's going to get yeah, past there. It breaks late. Uh, and there's no way, really, with the, the V8s that you can take two lines around that corner. And then following on from the main straight, heading up to where you get into the hair clip, that's probably the only other place. From there on, it becomes a procession. Um, having said that, though, I think people enjoy Darwin. Uh, the event, the atmosphere of the event is excellent. I mean, it is a really good, great place to go. It's... Uh, uh, weather's fantastic. The beer's always cold. And that's, that's a bonus. But it, and, and a very big crowd there. But, um, yeah, as far as the racing's concerned, you're right, John. I think there's... Um, what do you do about it? I don't know. No, I talked to no some of the drivers, answer. Pat, and said, uh, look, you know, if it was a wider track around that part... Because, yeah, yeah, it, and it's yeah. actually a nice, an interesting bit of... Bit of wheeze it's not here a good and interesting there. Interesting circuit. It's just, yeah, it just needs to be, you know, wider. And also because a lot of them are getting a, a foot on, a leg up on the on the curb, it's also pulling a lot of a lot of crap onto the track. Yep. So offline, you're going to get. There really is so only one line. It really needs a bit of widening there. Hmm. Um, and probably going into that section is where you need it widened. So at least they can do something coming into the section. Yeah, they get the power down early enough, and then have to fight it out when they get to that corner. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right, John. We were up in the in the in the gravel stand there, um, courtesy of um, one of the gentlemen who uh, had won a a ride with the Coopers Racing Team up there in Jack Ellsgood, but also happened to be the uh, resort designer, uh, the new airport resort, and uh, he was absolutely absolutely uh, hospitable, and we had a little bit of a look there. Had a couple of lagers. It was a nice change to sort of do an event from that perspective, um, and just you know be be part of the crowd and then do do only one real one one job. But uh, we renamed the, the gravel trap to the gravel trap that nothing happens gravel trap. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly nothing happened. The waste of gravel trap. <laughs> yeah, it was all beautifully groomed all weekend, just waiting for a couple of like, there were a couple of Aussie cars that went in there, but no. Uh, and, and I think uh, Paul Freestone spun the Carrera Cup car around in front of us, but managed yeah. to select the gear and keep on going. So that was all, all okay. But um, <clears throat> yeah, and and as as Pat said, everyone loves to go to everyone loves to go to Darwin. It's all cold, and you know it's a bit of expense, I suppose, to get the cars up there. But uh, you know, it's a it, it's a good spot. I hear a few of the guys had some fun getting there. I think Lounsey and a couple of other guys rode motorbikes. Yeah, motorbikes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I thought it was, was interesting. I wonder whether he had that in his contract because you can't mm. imagine like a leading team sort of going, look, you just go and ride some motocross bikes. You know, mm. like if you break a leg, it'll be all right. 
all the way across the desert, you know, don't worry about that. So, well, we, we just wonder about that because I think uh, Mick, who was with us in Darwin, came up with the, the idea that they probably just dumped them off at Humpty Doo and said, ride your bikes into town from there. <laughs> oh, right. You sure it's not like horses and bikes are okay? Yeah, yeah well, there well, you go. Yeah. Those guys spend a lot of time on bikes anyway as recreation, so uh, I think sort of travelling through that distance. Yeah, might I be mean, there's been quite a bit of coverage on RPM in the past of uh, you know the guys going out. Yeah, so the they're all pretty confident. And, yeah. No, the youths were the youths were very popular up there, as was uh, Coopers, and uh, we'd got up there a week early and gone down to the Adelaide River Cup, um, courtesy of Sean Gould and uh, Michael Bevan from NT uh, oh, News. Yeah. And take us down there, and it was like a miniature balaclava, and there was like a, <laughs> three or four hundred people there, and um, Cooper's Pale Hail, and in the tent, and you know prawns and and, and barramundi, and all the damn things flying around there, and I could hear a few horses' hooves. That's <laughs> like horses. <laughs> yeah, don't run into yeah, okay. I don't think you would have heard the other saw up there. But, uh... <laughs> This reminds me, I just happened to watch you something about Mary the other night. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, that's, that's another story. I, tell you I wonder what funny that happened on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, after that, then the, the Sunday there was a, a, a great do down at the ski club, and then we had a launch party at uh, the Beachfront Hotel, and Coopers and the Utes were down there, and everybody um, had a fun time. It was all pretty relaxing. Good stuff. So uh, a good weekend was had by all. And, but I, I have to say that I heard one of the funniest things that one of the commentators said and of course they were very focused on getting kids involved and there's a lot of people that go there that don't know much about motor racing at all but this kid he really knew what was going on about motor racing and the commentator he'd said oh how good Scafie how fast is Scafie do you know that when Scafie's going down the chute he goes he's got a little (laughs) this little little door that slides a little periscope that slides back in the roof of his car and he pokes his head up has a bit of a look around and then comes back in and goes that's it but no one can see him because he's going so fast oh I've seen him says the kid <laughs> and he's going have you what's it like goes, oh it's he goes yeah yeah comes slides back oh head goes up look around at the competitors back in but no one else has seen him and he got, he got he got it mixed up because he thought his name was Mark Scafie and he said go Scafe <laughs> <laughs> anyway, maybe he's just trying to change his change his brand. Change his brand. Right, that was hilarious. That that really was. Wait till we've forgotten the most important part of the show. Wow, well, yeah, beers. <laughs> talking about beers earlier on, and yeah, Coopers, beers. and da, 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 da. and talking about Coopers. Empty what beers. are you drinking, Johnny? And I'm having a Coopers uh, Coopers <laughs> Lager. Pretty much, and I really am. Uh, and what about you, Pat? I'm having the same, and I must admit. I can go back a long time, and probably somewhere in the order of 40 years, when we used to have um, beer strikes in Melbourne right. around about Christmas time. Yes. And the only beer we could drink was South Australian beer. Southwark. Yeah, Southwark and West End. We used to get Southwark <laughs> and West End come across by the truckload. Yep. yep. And we used to drink it by the thimbleful. <laughs> it, it was almost enough to put people off drinking. Victorians, right? And there was yeah. just a rage. But I have to say, after going up and, and meeting with the Coopers team and drinking a bit of pale ale and, and now having a lager in front of me, um, I enjoy it. Yeah, it's nice. You've never actually... He's never had a Coopers. I've never had a Coopers. And really? It just Last Tuesday was the first Coopers I've ever had. And it was a freebie oh, from really? Sean, so yeah, I had yeah. to drink it. Yeah, well, I And when it, I drank yeah. it, I enjoyed it. So yeah. I thought, ooh, I might have some more of those. And tonight's your first time you've tried a lager. It's uh, it's definitely easier to drink. It's not as meat as meat and potatoes as the pale. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So, but it's it's still a pleasant drink. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. And I've, I've actually got a cold and draft. I'm drinking <laughs> Victorian beer because I've been on the Coopers during the day today yeah, up at the Murray Valley. You're just trying to make me feel at home, mate. <laughs> you're looking. So I just needed a uh, bit of a rest. You're looking a bit decidedly messy. Tell us what's been on going on today, mate. Bit of technology up there. Yeah, it was, it was actually very good. Uh, I went up to uh, Rural Press's new setup at uh, Murray Bridge. Uh, they got a whole new factory, new offices. Uh, you know, we're talking like uh, probably about a six million odd dollar investment up there, and they've got this fantastic new printing press. Um, of which it, it's only actually got four decks uh, running at the moment, and it'll do thirty-two tabloid pages of newsprint in one pass. 
um, incredibly quickly, I have to say. You have to put the earplugs on if you're uh, watching the thing thundering along. Um, and in, a, in an average day, they can print about 12 different newspapers up there. So it's pretty well geared up, and they've got some more stuff to add on to that press. Um, once the extras are added on, the extra decks, it'll be able to print 64 pages in one pass. So, uh, is that regional newspapers it's printing, or is it? Yeah, it's uh, printing predominantly regional newspapers. So they do all the newspapers for up the Murray Bridge area, okay. um, uh, right the way through to Meningi. Um, they do papers for the Barossa, um, obviously the whole Murray Lands area, mm. um, and you know they do the Independent Weekly that's printed. Uh, that's our Saturday newspaper here in Adelaide. Um, that's printed up there, so that'll be uh, a lot of t- tomorrow's work will be independent weekly. Um, but no, very, very impressive plant, um, and yeah, fantastic technology. The folding machine and the inserters, great, really, really eye-opening. So, <clears throat> no, Thank you, Pat, for that. Uh, what have you, you brought a little special along tonight, moving on from the, uh, the beers? Well, we have, just to... Uh to change, change from the Coopers, we have a lovely red here, which is the uh, the Margaret River uh, Cab Merlot from Evans and Tate. Oh, Evans and Tate, they make a really nice white. Yeah, 2003, like it's had a bit of ageing, but it's not going to last much longer, I can assure you. I'll tell you, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're right about that. Cheers, right. Josh. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, look, and I'm on the water again now. <laughs> Never mind. Have a little bit of paint. We've got a, got a nice little meal coming up for you tonight, mm. viewers. Mm. I hope you'll be joining us for the uh, 24-hour basted and uh, sort of marinated lamb shanks. Mm. Oh, Sounds yes, good to me. The, I got the cheapest bottle of red I could find <laughs> and, and put that in there, but not too much of it. Got a few little tips of garlic, a bit of bouquet, honey, mm. and then... The mouse watering. It's not a barbecue, watering. but it will be served tonight with uh, some truffle mash, viewers, and some peas. Mm. Peas and truffle mash. Cool. Well, let's get Linda on the phone. Yeah, we should uh, get back to Linda again. (laughs) In the meantime, what else have you got to say? Well, actually, it's funny because we're getting Linda on the phone. And another big thing that was all the go when I was in Pommyland was the fact that um, the Poms were getting all up in arms about uh, Rally GB or um, the Wales Rally GB, uh, which used to be known as the RAC Rally or the Lombard Rally. Um, Lombard, you know what that stands for? No, we're not talking mm. uh, Macintosh again here, Lombard. Lots Please. of money, but a real dickhead. Is that right? Can you say that, though? Well, that's well, that's what they used to say, you know. Like, right. there was the sensitive new age guys, and then there was the caring, understanding 90s type. <laughs> yeah, I know about that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know what yeah. we get now. So, yeah, then, yeah, yeah, so the Poms were getting a bit sweaty, I think, about whether or not they were going to retain a round of uh, the WRC, um, because the rumour was that uh, as of next year, it'll go back to uh, 10 rounds rather than the current 13 or 14, because that was too much. And they're talking about rotating over a three-year period different countries to uh, compete in the, uh, to host the rallies. And I really want to ask Linda whether she's heard any more news because my original understanding was that some decisions were going to be made yesterday, our time, today... Well, sorry, today, our time, which is basically yesterday, their time. Do you think we may see an increase in tarmac rallies and over time see a reduction of the dirt rallies? Oh, I don't know. I think they'll try and keep the spread roughly as it is at the moment, but I, I, I think that the way that tarmac's taken off here and in other parts of the world, we could very well see two championships. Championship, yeah, yeah, there could yeah. be a tarmac championship and a gravel or dirt championship. There's the number, mm. viewers, if you can figure out the tones. If you can record that and play it back. <laughs> I'll let you have a She's talk got... to her about Hello. Oh, hi, Linda. <laughs> oh, Linda, fancy it being you. Fancy, fancy. Uh, just speak up a little, Dale, because we're um. It just seems yeah, you're a bit muffled. Quiet, quiet tonight. I'm sorry. Is that better? Slightly. Well, only the viewers will know. Oh well, we'll see how it goes. Okay, sounds fair. Now, listen, I've got a question for you. Have you been keeping up with the WRC news? Uh, not really. Oh well, all right then. Well, that's a total waste of time. I've just built all that up, and now you just. <laughs> so you haven't been on the website or anything today? No, go late on me. 
You don't know where oh, they're yeah, at. You, you, you're looking for a bit of love or something, babe. No, no, not at all. No. no now, well, I've, the... had, I've just been preoccupied with other things since I've been back on board, that's all. Okay. Well, let's talk about the other things you have been preoccupied about, and then we'll come back to the racing. What have you been doing? Um, well, besides being sick. Yeah. Um, okay, got over this sickness and just trying myself back into the tarmac works. I've been working on finalising Rally of Bernie. Um, hey, guess what? I said, I worked it out the other day. Rally of Bernie, it's coming up right. Yeah. See all the drivers in this. this. I reckon this is where XV8 supercar drivers go when they can't get a job or they don't drive V8 supercars anymore and they still want to go fast. Longhurst, Richards, Medici and Rookland. Like, hello, what's going on there? Well, obviously they're not competing in circuit racing but uh, they're, good on, uh, they're, they're good on the black stuff and uh, they want to keep their hands in, I guess. Yeah, it's just like they're all turning to tarmac rowing. Very interesting, isn't it? That's oh, good, though. Okay. That was a bit of trivia. So, yeah, so we've been working on that... And some really good news too, Classic Adelaide has um, come back to CAMS. And they want to run under the ASN and um, FIA again, which means that, yeah, it's all looking good for tarmac stuff. Uh, so yeah. what's happened with Classic there? So Can you just elaborate for yeah. us? Well, Classic Adelaide weren't used to run under basically another sort of arm. It wasn't part of CAMS. Wasn't yeah, that's correct. Camps, so they had their own rules, regulations, everything else. And there was a bit of a rift there um you know i think it was basically over insurance to be honest anyway long story short a press release went out uh last week that um yeah they're back with um cams so they're now running classic adelaide under as a cam sanction event um and then putting it on the um asm which is is the association sport east national and then you know which is a representative of the fia Cool. Yeah, so that means that if there is a championship and they change certain rules around, they can come aboard. Mm. So it would be the same people. Yeah, same running, people. Running the whole same thing. Silverstone same events. Same yeah, organisers. Yeah. People so running media accreditation. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, it hasn't been the door. So we'll start to smile. We'll still won't be able to get a ticket in. I know. No, we'll get in, mate. Trust me. We'll get in. You watch this. <laughs> now, don't you make trouble cool. for me, JP? Well, I won't make Something trouble. Something up the sleeve. Anyway, yeah, so I've been saying myself into stuff like that and organising stuff. And then the other thing, too, is my horrid son, God love him, has been grounded for the last month. And when he gets grounded, it means I get grounded. Because you've got to keep an eye on him when he's grounded. Yeah, but, like well, I can't go out and leave him or do stuff while he's grounded. Can't you just lock him up somewhere, Linda? I mean, what's the problem here? I mean, you broke his leg. What else, what else do you need to do? <laughs> <laughs> no, I broke his arm. Oh, well. That's fine. You still have the leg to go now. No, he did his foot the other Did I tell you about his foot? No, he only got half through. Yeah, well, he, he got his cast off today for the arm, and uh, two weeks ago he broke his foot. All right. Oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah, and that one's an unknown. Nobody knows how he did it. Same side or diff- opposite sides? Um, right, yeah, opposite. Oh, well, there you go. Out. It's a bit like our... Oh, at least he's spreading it around evenly. Oh, yeah, well, I'm waiting for the third one now. It's a bit like out the front of your Subaru got bent at 25 kilometres an hour, but looked like it had actually been doing a WRC round. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's exciting news too for my son, the one that we're just talking about that crashed my car and then his own car. You know he crashed his Commodore, don't you? No, I don't know about that at all. Oh no, he went up. You know how? You know how? If you live in New South Wales or in Sydney, you go to Colwo River. It's a it's a thing when you're a teenager. You you go to Colwo River on this dirt road to go camping. Yep, I know the road. Yeah, you know, we all know the road. And I hope you're not encouraging youngsters to go there and uh, you know create misdemeanours. They do mischievous things. They go up camping and take girls. And they tend to do that at night. Go fast. Well, I don't know, but all I know is that he came. Look, he Linda, I, his car. I, it wasn't me, okay? I <laughs> know oh, it wasn't you. <laughs> no, but my son went up there on his um, with his V8 Commodore with his big wide tyres on the dirt and stuck it in the tree. Oh, yeah? Tree okay? Oh, no. No, actually, yeah, the tree's all right, but the car's not, so it's a whole new set chassis because it's bent rails and everything. So he's had no car, so he's borrowed one. Anyway, getting back to the story, he won a brand new Toyota Yaris last week. Oh, you're joking. How did he do that? I couldn't believe it. There's a, um, there was a competition uh, run via NRMA. They have this um, sort of branch of NRMA motor, you know, roadside assistance yeah. for the under-21-year-olds. 
and it's free, you know, like a certain age it's free because a lot of them don't have cars, they're using mum or dad's car or mate's car. So it's this new system they've got up and running which has been an amazing reaction to it, you know, Australia wide. And it's called um, Free To Go and they have their own website and in New South Wales it's called Be Free To Go. Anyway, it's, he joined that and um, yeah, it was a competition as if he joined you could win a car and he won. Oh, but uh, of course, have uh, we taken bets on how long it'll last? Uh, no, actually, um, no, I haven't. I, I haven't an art about that, but he's keeping his Commodore fixing that, um, and he's actually he's quite thrilled about this car because he said to me, "Oh, Mum, I've got this really nice brand new car now that is just so cheap to run because I, I can't afford to run the Commodore because it's costing me three hundred dollars a week in petrol." <laughs> Well, didn't you suggest that he sell the car, pay you back the money that he, that he, that he probably owes you so that you can continue your racing career? <laughs> no, he did actually pay for the car, my um, image, though. No, that one I mean, was that was after the threat that you had from Subaru, saying if he picks up the Toyota, you're out of a gig. Well, I'm not in a Subaru anyway, so, you know. Well, it's a Toyota Yaris. Yeah, well... Well, you would have got a phone call from Mitsubishi. And, um, <laughs> look, good luck to him. Good luck for winning it, you know. Thank- yeah, really, that, that is really good. Yeah, yeah, win a prize like that's great, out of all the people that entered. <laughs> I don't know how many entered. Yeah. Interesting. So, so there was no insider on that one. I have no association with Toyota, so it was all up front. And <laughs> Definitely not now. <laughs> <laughs> so, After what you've been saying about, anyway. Yeah, so anyway, so that was all exciting. So no, for children of, of well... The youngest one sort of like curbed my life a little bit, but then again, I was six, so it didn't matter. But he's he's off the grounding, and it's quite good now. I can get back to doing stuff. So yeah, so I've just been working on all my little bits here. Oh, actually, there's one thing I do want to clear up. Mm-hmm. There was a press release put out on one of the um, uh, you know car motoring um, websites in Australia that um, Rally Art were building a second car. For Steve Glennie to race in the ARC. Ah. Mm. And that was, I actually read that on the web and I just cracked up laughing when I saw it. Anyway, I rang Alan Heafy to get the lowdown on this because I thought, oh, hang on, I want to know the real goss, what's going on? Because I didn't, you know, didn't, hadn't heard of anything. And yeah, they are building a second car, but it's for Scott. It's got nothing to do with Steve Glennie. Um, it's literally a, a new car for Scott because the one that he's got has been repaired quite a few times now. And they actually want to keep it as a spare, just in case, because they don't want to go back into the scenario they had a few weeks, you know, a few months ago, which caused us not to run an event, um, and then having to rebuild a car. Right, so does that... Pressure on the team. Um, So that's the reason why they're doing it. I mean, Alan Heafy said he would love to have the budget to run a second car, you know, in the Australian Rally Championship, and he would love to put Steve Glennie in a car, but... It's not happening. It's total hearsay. Um, it's just some um, journalists that decide to make it up. But, yeah, the second car being built is true. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there you go. But uh, they're, they're having... Actually, Mitsubishi are doing well at... Rally Art's doing well at the moment. But you know how they had these 14 club spec special cars? Did you guys know about those? Yeah. Yeah. No, they're There's so three left. No, that was, well, was quite widely publicised in... Scafie saw Go on. Yeah, the they're car. doing really well. Like they're doing for what they cost. They're a great little thing, aren't they? <laughs> I want one. I want one so I can go playing on the weekend. Now, getting back to uh, Rally Bernie and your car. Is your car really your car again now? Because, I mean, basically, you loaned your car to uh, Scotty Petter. Well, no, he never took it. Oh, is that right? Yeah, what happened was um, the Sunday, yeah, I think it was the Sunday before, the, you know, they were meant to go there to head off to Rally of Queensland for Scott and the ARC round. Alan rang me and said, ah, good news, we have just finished rebuilding Scott's car. We did not touch yours whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, and I was just like, yay! So now we never touched the car. Yay! So, no, well, that's good, but you still missed out on your tarmac round. Well, look, I understand why it happened, you know. He, they couldn't have afforded for us to go there and have crashed the car. Yeah. You know, it's very unlikely, touch wood, but it is possible. And they would have had two crash cars in their hands. So, you know, it was a, a very smart call on Alan's behalf to not let us go. And also they had to have it there as a backup until they had to assess Scott's car when it came back from Perth to see how extensive the damage was and to fix it. And they fixed it. So, yay. No worries. Huh. Now, Linda, did you happen to watch the Formula One the other night? I did actually watch the beginning of it. I saw the first corner crash where everybody just was carnage sitting. And, and I thought, look, you know, 
everyone likes to see a bit of crashing and obviously oh, the team stayed. But isn't it a bit disappointing that just almost ironic that it ended up being about a race of just about the same number of cars they had the previous year? <laughs> yeah, like for a completely different reason. Yeah, I know. But they had more people in the stands this time, though. Did you notice that? Uh, yeah. No. They wanted to see the first corner honest, crash. I fell asleep halfway through. Mm. I, I'm sorry, boys, to say that, but I did. I was. I, I got bored with it. Yes. Yeah. Look. Well, at that that hour, I mean, you had to stay. You know, get a good night's sleep to be able to watch uh, everyone else beating everyone else at the soccer. Oh, well, that's the problem. I reckon that's why I got sick. Someone was telling me about the, 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 the Brazilians. The Brazilians, they can't go home now because the last time they did, someone got, <laughs> execu- got killed. Yeah. Got executed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> someone got killed in the car park. I forgot about mm. that. <laughs> it's not good. Another guy had a bomb on his doorstep. Keep running around Europe pretending to play. Mm. Uh, this is interesting because it's a sport where you play with a little ball where you kick around a field. And it's more dangerous than motor racing. <laughs> if you lose. It is, actually, isn't it? Yeah. That's kind of true. Hey, JP, you were kind of over Europe in the last couple of weeks. What was the atmosphere like over there with the World Cup? Oh, it was off the planet. Was it? Was it yeah. good? And the Poms are all mad, you know. We're driving out of the airport, and this car goes past, and it's got these two flags fluttering out the back windows. Eh? What's, what's going on with... What's all these? And then there was another one. And oh, what's all these cars with the flags? Oh, well, they're, they're English flags. Well, yeah. Well, we're in the World Cup. Oh, okay. And then you drive down a street, and there's people with English flags hanging out of their bloody front windows, flying in the front lawn. They're just everywhere. And like every kid between the ages of like eleven and seventeen has got a, a, an English soccer strip top on, you know, like with Beckham on the back or whatever. Uh-huh. They're just off the planet, the Poms. But the whole, the whole atmosphere, it was buzzy, I've got to say. Must have been a big bonfire the other night, though. <laughs> yeah, it would have been. After the Italians were on their chairs. But I'll tell you what, the, the, uh, the guys who produced all the merch would have absolutely made a mint. Oh, for God. So I can but, the only, but, but we have to say that, there, that the one person we know who isn't mad Mm. is Tristan, our friend from uh, Silverstone, who's seen your tits, Linda. Oh, please. <laughs> is, is that really necessary? To uh, well, <laughs> well, while I was over there, I did actually get in touch with him, and he no. said that he did enjoy the experience. <laughs> Even if he spun out in the process. That's right. Hi, Tristan. <laughs> and he said his Renault McGain's never been the same since. Hey, I'll tell you what else has been going on. Um, our mate Peter Washington, uh, in charge of the Mount Buller Sprint and Lake Mountain and whatever else is going to be probably turning up to be part of this tarmac series, has jetted off to uh, Classic Le Mans, meeting up with no one other than uh, Rob Sherrard. Oh, Rob. Yeah. And Robbie's uh, sort of bought a trip for him over there to have a look, and apparently he's look can't tell you too much about that because I don't know all the fine details because he wouldn't fax it all through to me. <laughs> but uh, he's looking at buying forty five classic Le Mans cars for almost um, eight eight figures in euro and uh-huh. bringing them back. And I'm reading between the lines, it looks like he wants to start a sort of a classic Le Mans style series, series. down here in Australia. And that would make sense considering. You know, Robbie's a big fan of that and has got the, the short and long-tail old uh, blow-punk um, 962C oh, yeah. Porsches, uh, yeah. that uh, was, um, I think, yeah. uh, John Winter was one of the drivers. John Winter was actually a, a, not his real name. And we'll find that out, who what his real name is. Just thought, yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> just, just yeah. Pick another season. Yeah, pick right. That's right. So, uh, who knows? Who knows? I mean, there's nothing like, well, I want a series, I'm going to buy all the cars and how's he going to drive them all? Hey, I think you might be renting them out, Linda. <laughs> well, I suppose if you bring back oh. a collection of cars, then you're going to be able to create a series. Yeah. And um, oh, well, look, you know. Oh, look, I'm, I'm only having a go. I mean, I think it's a brilliant idea. Yeah. Why not? If, good luck to him. And, and yeah, if he's got the, uh, we never get got, to see cars like that. If he's got the cash, and uh, he's got the got more so raw the desire to, yeah. to to make a series like that work, well, that'd be cool. Now, I was going to be going over. The Jack Elsgood and I were going to go over and do the, the third round of the Le Mans series in Germany. Oh. Um, we had the, the, the car all sorted out, but uh, we just 
I don't know, we just looked at each other and decided, uh, just like on the weekend, look, for the, the time and expense, uh, we'd rather actually do the next race in Europe, So, uh, sorry, in, in America. So um, we got um, International Paulie looking at, at something going on in the Deep South. Which also oh, might, that'd be awesome. Which might fit in better with the Coopers brand, even though we were doing things out, way outside the Coopers mandate. Uh, but uh, Coopers being the biggest uh, home brew in the world mm. um, and going absolutely That's gangbusters in, yeah. the, in the US. And, you know, you can just see down south where they'd be doing a few uh, home brews. Home brews, I think. I can go over and visit my MySpace friends, Ryan and Kyle. Oh, tell us about... Are you motorsport people? Come on, Technology Girl, tell us about your MySpace experience. Oh, MySpace is awesome. It's tell absolutely awesome. Who are you? Tell them who you are. I'm Radio Hot Lap Girl. <laughs> She's incognito. <laughs> <laughs> so how do they get a hold of you? Where do they go? What's the URL? Um, they literally just go to myspace.com um, and have a look at that. And then you can search. I mean, you can search by a name. So in my case, you'd go Radio Hot Lap Girl. You can search by what you're interested in. So if you want to find friends that are interested in motorsport, just put in motorsport and all these people turn up. Put in Mitsubishi, put in Evo. I've got all these Evo friends. It's fabulous. And um, a, fair, a couple of these guys are just mad um, Formula One guys. And one of them actually races historic Formula One cars <laughs> and um, with his dad. And he has a Tyrrell, I think, a 006. And yep. um, is it 006 and a 002? And he races, and he actually just did the race meeting earlier in the year at um, Monte Carlo, which they have a historic Le Mans, you know, like Grand Prix race before the actual Grand Prix, and he competed in that. So yeah, so I've met all these amazing people just through MySpace, and it's fabulous. Well, Linda, I think it's only fair that since you've become uh, so popular in the cyber world, considering you're the, uh, a girl and a rally girl at that, that uh, you should uh, wiggle your way down here next week. To do a live show with us and um, just, oh, we're missing you. Might I be think. On the cards. Yeah, I think you need some more shoes from here. I don't, look, I tell you, I don't need any more shoes actually. Can you, <laughs> I'm well, can you just get your backside down here and help us out? Yeah, look, I'll do that. I'll do that. You I think it's about you know, time. You beers, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And we might go and try our urban bistro for lunch. Ah, oh, urban bistro for lunch. <laughs> Bit risky. <laughs> Oh, God, it is, it is. And JP, are you sort of over your jet lag? Oh, yeah, I don't get jet lag. Oh. No, he just keeps drinking right. the whole way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not a problem. Yeah, he's like it the whole time. I just matter. make sure I stay up for, you know, 17 or 18 hours and then go to bed at normal time and the next day I'm fine. Oh, yeah? Oh, you're lucky. Yeah, I'm one of those sort of horrible people. Oh, okay. All right. All right, babe. Well, thanks for talking to us. We're going to um, move on to the final bit of the show and, no uh, and get on to these uh, lovely lamb shanks, which we've got uh, simmering away in the background. Oh, yummy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They look sensational. Oh, oh, Another I'm reason to be here, Linda, next week, break. all right? That's right. When, I, when you, I'll leave the bones around. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right. Thanks, babe. Boys. Thanks, See Linda. Ya. See ya. Talking to you. Bye. Well, Linda certainly has a lot to say, as usual. Right. Pat, well, now you're, a, you're a man that travels a fair bit around the world. You're, in fact, you're, you're very rarely in the country and just came back out of Asia to join us up there at, at Darwin. What keeps you so busy uh, up in, uh, up in the, the north? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I work within a procurement department in a very large company and, uh, and we have a lot of requirements across things we're doing in each of these. I've got an Asia-Pacific responsibility, so that means I'm in aeroplanes. Uh, the trip to Darwin was great because it was a couple of weeks and I'm, I'm still on those holidays now where I've just it's been leisure time, which has been fantastic. Um, part of the problem with travelling, though, I find for business is it's business travel. And people think it's great that you've got a passport that's got you know 47 pages of it stamped with visas and... You know, custom stamps from every country in the world but the thing is you fly into somewhere on a Monday or a Tuesday and you fly out again on a Friday and if you're lucky to spend a weekend there then you generally spend the weekend sitting in a hotel room working. Yeah it is always the case so people think oh you know you've got a great job That's right. flying around the world and so I said to Jack the other day look you know if going out on, on, on Wednesday afternoon to Germany to race a car and then coming back on the Monday like it you know it's 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 not 
You know, it's a racetrack. It's a job. It, 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 yeah. It's yeah. not... Yeah, it's not going to the Eiffel Tower or the Louvre or something like that. That's right. Sitting back and cheese and biscuits at five o'clock. So it's, so yeah, some, it's pretty hard yeah. stuff. But sometimes you do it. The, the things that you do do, though, I find is, uh, is find things that are familiar. Yep. And I find restaurants that are familiar. So the places I go to, I have a favourite restaurant. Paris, I've got a favourite restaurant. Hong Kong, I've got a favourite restaurant. Um, Seoul in Korea, I've got a favourite restaurant. Yep. And each time you go, you make sure you go back to these restaurants. Well, it's the same like in Darwin. We had to go back to the same restaurant five times just to find the quail. <laughs> That's right. The quail, mate. One night they had, uh, they, we asked for Peking duck and they said, we've got no pancakes. The next night we asked, they said, we've got no Peking duck. That's right. They had the so pancakes, had though, the pancakes, so we're in pretty good shape. Yeah. I don't think you get it together. But there was a funny story in my last trip to Korea, which is a couple of weeks ago, which yeah. I, I have to relate because it was quite Please. hilarious. Um, and this was in the favourite restaurant. And I was there over a weekend, uh, which is very rare, but in previous times when I've been there, I found a French restaurant in Seoul, would you believe, in South Korea. I'm not talking North Korea. I'm not going to get involved in missiles and things like that at the moment. <laughs> but this is a beautiful. There's a, a tourist um, tourist shopping area that's a mandated area within Seoul where, you know, theoretically, you don't get ripped off. Um, and so it's theoretical. But they've got a, a French restaurant, and it's great. Uh, there's a French guy who owns it. Uh, serves French fare, and the, one of the things they serve are mussels in about cool. six or seven different varieties. Like the Belgians. Like Belgian mussels. Mules marinier. Yeah, that's it. Mm. And Bruxels, and there's a variety of way they serve these, these mussels, and they are delicious. So when I get the opportunity, each time I'm in Seoul, then I usually finish up in this restaurant. Now, I'll, I'll paint a little story here. The, the restaurant is sitting back probably five or six metres from the footpath, um, They've built an area out the front where you can actually sit out on a lovely spring or summer day, eat, eat your mussels and uh, just watch the world go by, which I do every time I have the opportunity. And as it's a, a like a, a platform, almost a... Um, oh, I've got to, how can I explain it? This wooden platform they've built. There's a bit of a ramp that goes down to the footpath for a, you know, it, it's, it's probably... Uh, 15 centimetres high, goes down about a metre. This will become important later on in this story, right? So I arrived there this day for lunch and I... Uh, was that for the people who just need to just be wheeled out the door? You know, well, like, <laughs> you're too many well, drinks. Yeah, that's right. that I can imagine and, you'd have had a few yourself. And a bit of a see you later, right, as they go well, out down the ramp. You know? yeah, <laughs> that's right. Hit the footpath and you're on your own, Charlie. So I, I, I was there this day and ordered my first beer and while I'm watching the looking at the uh, menu and uh, knew damn well what I was going to have anyway but that was just sort of a cursory glance and just checking the people out around the place and there was a, a fellow who had a French accent but he had a Korean wife and had this gorgeous little child probably two two and a half years old that was running around and and I say a gorgeous child because it was it was really friendly not not a real uh, you know screamy yelly little kid that gets under your feet so they're sitting away having their lunch and a few other people came in and I ordered the mussels and then ordered a second beer. And about halfway through the second beer, just before the mussels arrived, the, um, this uh, French man and his wife got up to go and he sort of grabbed the stroller and put the child under his arm and with the stroller worked his way around the tables and his wife went inside to pay the bill back inside the restaurant. So he went out and it was it, it's sort of early... Uh, uh, spring there. Spring what? Sorry, it's late summer. Getting into late summer there. So um, there was just a doorway in through the windows of this place, and then onto this ramp. So the guy walks out with the stroller, puts the stroller down there on the on the ramp, has the child under his arm, and puts the child down. So with that, the child just disappears straight inside to see mum. Takes off like a bullet. He has a look, goes back to pick the child up, and just kick the brake on the stroller, or thought he kicked the brake on the stroller. <laughs> and it was one of those things where you hit the handbrake and you miss. So as he disappeared inside to pick the child up, the stroller decided it was time to escape. Down the ramp. So it took off down the ramp. As you were munching on your muscles. I haven't got the muscles yet. Oh, <laughs> I'm into the second beer by now, right? <laughs> so I'm looking at this thing and I thought, that bloody stroller's going to escape. <laughs> and it was. So he's inside, goes past me, picks up the child, and just about the point where he comes back standing beside me, the stroller went across the footpath and out onto the street, which is full of traffic. And just at that point, there was a cabbie coming along to drop somebody off and clean the stroller up. Oh. <laughs> which I, 
when I think about it now, that, that cabbie, the, the thoughts in his head must have been yeah, terrible because exactly. he would have thought there was well, a child in that stroller, thing as yeah. it came out. But, mm. but at this point, to me, it was very funny because <laughs> <laughs> I can see this, this whole scenario evolving in front of me and I'm starting to laugh. And by the time the Frenchman got beside me, I actually had, started, had tears running down my face you know, because by now we've got this, this flattened stroller, we've got the Frenchman with the child back under his arm again, and then he immediately turned around and started abusing his wife who's been paying the bill. <laughs> and for no reason, he's abusing her. So he's, he's got this French accent, and I'm not quite sure what language he was talking. She starts getting back into him in Korean. So they're having a set to inside the, the restaurant here, with him with the child under the arm, her trying to pay the bill. And out the front, there's this cabbie that's just pulled his stroller out from the front of his cab. And he's looking around the street to see who owns it. Where's the child? So he can sue him for the damage. And I'm thinking, if I don't stop laughing, I'm not going to be able to eat any of these mussels when they arrive. But it was... So... The upshot of it all is, you know, they, they went out and got the stroller from the cabbie and the last I saw was the, the Frenchman with the child under his arm and the, and the busted stroller in hand walking down the street with the wife probably three metres behind him. But it was just one of these things that unfold in front of your eyes that you would really love to have a video at the time or, yeah. or be able to script it for a movie. <laughs> oh, it was hilarious. But... Uh, yeah. Uh, so busted stroller was all the uh, the damage out of it all, which was was good. Well, having never been to Korea, I uh, sort of look forward to the opportunity. But the events of the last few days probably means that there won't be any Korea left very yeah, well, shortly. Well, anyway, because the things will go up and we'll end up coming back back down and blowing themselves up. Well, I just uh, spent quite a bit of time there, and I keep thinking if I hear something whistling down the street behind me, the first thing I'm going to do is lie down. But, well, uh, they say if you hear it whistling, then you know it's all okay. Yeah, well, that, probably, yeah, was probably right. Yeah. The war, something like that. Yeah, yeah probably right. Oh, but, um, that's what he did. Yeah. But, oh, but that was just, buzz bombs. Yeah. yeah. But the thing with, uh, with the point of travel is it, it's great. Everyone loves people travelling, but the people around this travel that travel for business, it just is business. And yeah. at the end of the day, you come home again, you're jet-lagged, you've got to try and get your life back together again, and uh, there's no place like home, folks. So we met Absolutely someone from uh, who worked in the Qantas Club up in Darwin at the races and was sitting down at the Adelaide um, Cup... Adelaide River Cup, yep. and um, very nice bloke, and was relating to us about uh, how he'd had to eject a couple of yahoos out of the out of his lounge the, the day before. But uh, I said, "So what's beyond platinum?" He goes, "Well, it's the captain's table." So it's a, like it's a, it's a little unmarked door with you have a security key and you get invited. So mm. it's like celebrities and stuff like that to get in there. So, so Pat, uh, you just have to raise the, raise the profile, which you are doing here on this uh, <laughs> widely distributed uh, no. podcast. And you can, uh, you're probably downgraded to gold. Yeah, well, <laughs> either, either that or you can call me Captain Pat next time. Captain Pat. That's that sounds cool. good, doesn't it? It's got a nice mm. ring to it. Well, it's just about to time to wrap up, but just before we do, I just thought it came to mind. Um, uh, talk to Alan Simonson, finding out about where he is at lately. Um, we went back to the to the UK, UK uh, about yeah. a week ago and had the second round of the European FIA GT Championship at Osterschlieben. He had in Germany, hadn't driven at this track, um, and uh, it, it was quite apparent the, straight away that the Ferrari 430 was really not the vehicle to have for this track and in fact it was two and almost two and a half seconds slower than the uh, corvette z06s but, but alan was right up there certainly within the top 10. um it looks like parity might be a bit of an issue because the fr- the rear tire on the um on the ferrari oh how does it work no the 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 well, let's just say the Corvette's got bigger tyres all round. Right. That the mm. that the rear tyre on the Ferrari was narrower than the front tyre on the Corvette, mm. and the weight change, you know, wasn't you know weight difference wasn't so that significant. Bear in mind that at Silverstone he uh, he had wet weather and that worked in his favour. And now yes. this is a wet weather specialist, so obviously uh, he's off to do some testing and uh, reevaluating what's going on there. But um, in the meantime, uh, he's uh, fallen back to second in the championship, which is still, you know, still not a really a problem. He'll be able to continue moving forward into that. But you know, obviously, it wasn't the result that he really was hoping uh, hoping to do after having qualified um, third, um, and his teammate Hector Lester thirty first. Okay. In the last few weeks, we've released a new website for Alan at alansimonson.com that's Alan with a double 
double L. Yep. Um, and if you search for it, you'll find it there. And it's a, I'm, I'm, it's, a, it's a site that really just tells the story of his racing career and his pictures and news reports of over the years and endorsements and this and that and a, a nice, clean, friendly site. And we'd be love to hear some feedback from people if you like it. Tell us if you if you don't like it. Tell us as well. Send uh, an email to support at hotlap.com.au because that's the uh, the branding company that does the websites. Radio companies are just a bit of fun and games. <laughs> Spending the fortunes from the other company. <laughs> All right, Patrick. Well, thank you very much for dropping in tonight and helping um, and staying here with the with us for the night and the, and the show and and it's been a pleasure. Right? And, yeah, look forward to. Uh, Dropping again at some stage, yeah. If yeah, I'm, it'd be great. If I'm in the country. Yeah, yeah. if you're in the country, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe well, we could do a show from Korea. We might even be dropping yeah, in yeah, on a way down a ramp. Maybe we'll work something out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, uh, Korean Qantas Club lands. Yeah. And JP, great to see you back and you've made yeah, it okay. Good to be uh, back, Johnny. Triple cap, tri- trip on, uh, triple, uh, what is it? A trip on cattle class. In cattle class, you just obviously closed your eyes and had a couple of reasons. Yeah, Malaysians are right. Cattle class in Malaysians not bad. Not too I, bad. I don't. I agree, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, not a problem. Mm. If it was the last time I went back, when it was a combined Qantas BA flight in cattle class, and it was actually a BA plane from uh, Singapore to London, nearly killed me. Yes, I mm. can imagine. Mm. Well, uh, thanks for listening, viewers, and uh, we'll all sign off. And Rusty Sausage, who has been uh, sitting on the couch on uh, being the very long dog, um, come back very very nicely groomed from the place she's been uh, staying at, Joshy's parents. And um, <laughs> just the happiest dog in the land. She's oh, had yeah. a little special, ch- a special chicken dinner tonight with pasta. <laughs> We're <laughs> off for our little uh, lamb shanks. Yeah, lamb shanks. Good night, viewers. Good night, Good night viewers. Good night, all.